0: Welcome to church. How you guys doing? Now, I have to trust. Do you guys all like your Christmas shopping done? No? Okay, so, so, all right. You got to get your Christmas shopping done. The mall's going to be a madhouse. What do you have like today and tomorrow? Who? Who's a Christmas Eve shopper? Come on, let me see it. We got one. Yeah, y'all, oh, man. Holy cow, there's a whole bunch of you guys that are Christmas Eve shoppers. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. All right, well. You know, I got to tell you, tonight, though, you can't shop tonight, because tonight we have our Christmas social uh, right here, right at at 6 p.m. tonight, there's going to be a big old party, and and I got to tell you, um, there's actually a live band that's going to be there. Yeah, I, I heard it's Screamo Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's going to be a great Christmas live band. It's going to be, I think, jazz or something. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a, we have a live band that's going to be there. Um, there's fire pits that are going to be there and patio heaters and, and we've got hot cocoa and, and coffee and cookies and, and all kinds of crazy stuff coming on. And it's just going to be a blast. Bring a friend or two. It's just going to be a great time to hang out here at the church and, and uh, no real agenda. Just hang out and party and just hang out and get to know people and meet people and, and listen, I want to invite everyone here to be here. I think, I think it's Gonna be worth it, and uh, and I'm gonna be here, and my wife's gonna be here, and and uh, yeah, and so is that. That's that's really my only uh, announcement uh, this week. Is just that you gotta be here tonight. You gotta be here tonight. Well, good morning, church. Uh, If you don't know, my name is Matt Williams, and my wife Amber and I are the lead pastors here. If you're a visitor with us this morning, I'm so glad that you're here. In fact, if you've been hanging around for a week or two, or maybe this is your first time, and you want to get connected to the church, we would love to help you get connected. And there's a card in the seat back pocket in front of you, it's called the Connect Card clever, isn't it? And you would put a little bit of information in there, and, and, um, and then we have boxes at the back of the auditorium. We're receiving our offering there, and, and, and also with our information, he puts a little bit of email address in there or something. We'll send you an email and let you know um, kind of what the next steps are to getting connected around here at City Church. And so you got to know, if, if you're new, you might not know this, but if you've been here for a few weeks, you know that the holidays bring out all the dad jokes in me. And so this is the last week, I promise you, the last week. I, I know, I know. <laughs> They're bad. They're so bad, aren't they? They're so bad. I know. But, but what do you call a snowman with a six-pack? Abdominal snowman. <laughs> yeah, you like that? And here's for all your fantasy football players, because it's playoff time, right? It's championship game if you're in fantasy this week. And so, so how did... Um, how did Uncle Scrooge win the football game? The ghost of Christmas passed. He passed. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, you, you know, you, yeah. So Rudolph, Rudolph, how do you know? So Rudolph, the, the, the red-nosed reindeer. So Rudolph, um, why didn't Rudolph get a good report card? You don't, you, don't, you don't know. Okay, well, Rudolph didn't get a good report card because he went down in history yes yes (laughs) you'll go down in history yes he went down in history and so what do you get when you cross a christmas tree with an ipad a christmas tree with an ipad you get a pineapple a pineapple yes i know it's terrible i know boo right it's the last week, I promise you. It's the last week. You don't have to worry about it. You're not going to hear these from me any, anymore. Well, maybe until another holiday comes along, like New Year's. And so you gotta, you got you to break. you got to break. So, so there's this monastery deep in the woods that had this vow. They took a vow of silence and took it very seriously. You know, they, they say we're very serious about our vow of silence. And, and they have rules around it. And one time per year, on Christmas Day one monk can say one sentence and that's it. One monk, one sentence, that's it. Only on Christmas Day. So a few years ago, monk number one, well, I don't know, we'll just call him uh, Brother Thomas. Brother Thomas, he's there at the Christmas meal. It's his turn to have his sentence. And so he's there and he says, I love the delightful mashed potatoes we have every year with the Christmas roast. And he sat down. And time passed 365 days go by and the next christmas comes up and and then brother michael he says he stands up and he looks at brother thomas and he says i think the mashed potatoes are lumpy and i truly despise them <laughs> and he sat down and you know that was silence nothing else so 365 more days go by and uh Brother Paul stands up and he pounds his fists on the table and he says, I'm fed up with all this constant bickering. <laughs> I couldn't imagine being in a vow of silence. But today we're talking about silence. And in fact, I have one more story for you. There was an old lady who, who she was getting up there, but she was having a, a lot of internal gastro problems and it developed, started having a lot of gas. You know, she's having a lot of gas. And, and so she's kind of concerned about her health. But so she goes to the doctor and, and says, Hey, doc, listen, I'm having all this gas and I'm not sure what to do about it. And, and you know, the doc says, Well, tell me more. And she's like, Well, the, the great thing is that they're all silent and they don't have any smell. So I'm not bothering anybody around me. I just feel this is comfort inside. And so I, the silent farts that are odorless. And, and so he's, he's there and the doctor is, 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 is And she, he says, well, okay. Um, and she says, you know, you wouldn't even know it, but I've actually, I've actually farted 20 times in this room waiting for you to get here. And, you know, and, and uh, he's like, okay. He's like, I think I know what the problem is. So I'm going to write you a prescription. Take these pills, and let's come back to me next week. And So she does. She comes back the next week. She said, doc, I don't know what you gave me. I don't know what you gave me, but my farts are atrocious. They are so nasty smelling. And, and he's like, okay, great. We've cleared up your sinuses. Next will work on your hearing. Yeah. <laughs> silence can be a thing that if you're not aware, silence can have negative impacts. <laughs> I know I'm going to get an email or two over that one. I know it was edgy. Please hear me out. I know it was edgy. edgy. But you know, you can actually have too much silence in your life, can't you? As a, as a parent, there's a season when your kids are really little where you're like, I just want a little bit of silence. Like, can I just lock myself in a room? Have you ever pulled the move where you, 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 you take off in your car and go park around the corner and just turn everything off so you can sit in silence? Uh, me either. I just, I've heard about people that, that do that. But, but, you know, like there's a season as a parent where the kids are real little and it's like, boy, you really just kind I just get some silence. And there's sometimes you crave silence. I don't know if you know this, but there's a silent room, and they use it for testing equipment. It's an anechoic chamber, a no-echo chamber, and it's in near Minneapolis, Minnesota. And they built this chamber so that it could be literally no silence. And they use it to test equipment, and they have a microphone in there, and they use it to test the volume level of equipment. And because there's an absence of sound in there, they have a true zero threshold to be able to measure the like decibel meter ratings of what stuff operates at. Sounds like a necessary tool, but here's how they built it. You see, um, it's used by companies and it's an chamber. It has 99.99% sound absorbent and holds the Guinness World Record for the world's quietest place. It has three foot thick fiberglass acoustic wedges that absorb the sound into it. They double the walls of insulated steel and one foot thick concrete on all four sides of the room. You can go into the room if you'd like. They'll shut the door behind you. But this is what they say. If you go into the room, when it's quiet, your ears will adapt to the absence of sound. The quieter the room, the more things you'll hear. And in this room, as you sit in darkness on the floor... You'll hear your heart beating like you've never heard it before. And as you sit there and, and breathe, you will start to hear your lungs expanding and contracting to be able to hear sounds you've never heard before. Your stomach, well, you will start to hear the, the gurgles and bubbles of things moving through your stomach like, like you've never heard before. You see, in that chamber, you become the sound. There's no other sound. And your ears start to adjust, and, the, and they get dialed in. That's all you can hear pretty soon. They say that if you stay in there long enough, it'll drive you crazy. The world record that the longest has anyone survived in the room is just 45 minutes. Isn't that amazing? 45 minutes is all that someone could last in that room of total darkness and silence. This morning, I'm going to talk about the longest silent night in history. You see, when we read our Bibles, there's an Old Testament, and then there's a New Testament. And in the Old Testament, it stops, and there's actually a gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's called the pregnant pause. The pregnant pause, a pause is this, is it gives the impression that it will be followed by something significant. We hear this all the time. We hear the pregnant pause everywhere that we go. When you're, in fact, when you're listening to music, there's certain songs that intentionally put the pregnant pause into the middle of it. It might just be one beat. You know the song, it's rocking out and all of a sudden it stops and then when it hits back in after that one brief moment of silence, it's maybe a new key, it's maybe a dramatic change, there's a shift in the tone of the music. Classical music, it's, you see it all through classical music and rock music and, and every kind of music out there. It's a tool that the artist uses when creating his masterpiece to be able to put a dramatic pause to shift gears and create an extra impact from, for the new thing from the old thing. It's the pause between the Old Testament and the new. We see it in literature too. You know the book. You've been reading it. You're like, it's got you, it's captivating. And there's a cliffhanger and then there's a pause because there's a chapter marker and there's a new chapter. And in your mind, you're like, do I I set the book down and come back to it later? Or do I keep reading because I'm sucked into the the narrative of what's happening on the page? You see it in literature all the time. In fact, I use it in preaching all the time. It's a powerful tool. You may not even notice, but in fact, I just did it right there. (laughs) You leaned a little, didn't you? You're like, oh. You hear it, you can feel it, you know it happens, the pregnant pause. This is God's pause that he puts between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, you might have this in your Bible, I do. I have a blank page in my Bible. It should say this, this page intentionally left blank. You see this, don't you, when you're reading owner's manuals and the like, you see the blank page and it says, this page intentionally left blank. God left this page intentionally blank. And we're gonna look into this and you're gonna see why. But I gotta tell you, has God ever seemed silent to you? Have you ever felt the pause of God's silence in your life? It it looks different for different people. You know, you ask God for something and, and nothing happened. God just... Silent? Did he forget about me? You pray for healing, and then the person you prayed for dies. Oh, man, he really didn't hear me. It seems like God is silent in that moment. Have you ever felt like God took forever to answer your prayers? Maybe you felt like God answers other people's prayers, but is silent towards yours. Everyone else's house is sold, but mine is still sitting here, and I can't seem to sell it. Your sister had her third baby and you can't seem to get pregnant for your first. Everyone else knows where they're going to college. They have a career picked out and maybe you're in high school and you're saying, I can't even get an acceptance letter from any of them. See, has God's silence ever caused you to wonder if there even is a God? I imagine that this is what people in the time felt like because the blank page wasn't a moment it wasn't a beat the next page wasn't there yet and for all intensive purposes God's people at that time all they knew is that God had gone silent not for one year not for two not for a dozen not for a hundred but for multiple hundreds of years silence We can't even last in an anarchic chamber for 45 minutes. But these guys lived without anything coming from God for hundreds of years. People would be born, live their entire life, and die and have not heard a word from God in their lifetime. It's the longest silent night. So what is God doing in the silence? I mean, if he's there, what's he doing? Did he just forget? Hey, I'm still down here. (laughs) Did he he forget? Did Did he neglect? I mean, have you ever wondered where God's at in your hardest days when it seems like he's silent? You look into the sky and you're saying, God, where are you? You see, sometimes it's hard to experience God when all we hear is his silence. But I want to tell you this, that when God is silent he's never still. When God is silent, he's never still. He's still there. So, what do we do in the silence? What's God doing? What do we do? You see, I want you to get this, that never confuse God's silence with his absence. Never confuse God's silence with his absence. In the seasons of silence, We are tempted to think that God has abandoned us. It's a logical thought process. But the Bible is full of people who have great regrets because they made bad decisions when God is silent. You see, when God is silent, he's never still. God's still there. You may not feel like he's there, but he's still there. He's doing something. I can promise you that. Maybe you don't see it. Maybe he's fixing something. Maybe he's adjusting the other side of the equation so that you can step into the thing that he's designed for you to step into. Malachi to Matthew from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This one page represents hundreds of years of silence. No word of God. No voice of God. No no prophet sent by God. So where did he go and what was he doing? Let me tell you what he was doing. You see, you're sitting in church today because of what God was doing in the blank page back then. God was up to something. You see, let's just set the Bible aside for a minute because something miraculous and monumentous was happening in the world at this time. There's these historical events, and the first one is this. The first historical event that was happening was that there was a common language. It was the age of the Roman Empire. They were dominating. They were taking over. They were conquering all of the land, and and, and there was a dominant language, a common language that was being formed. So now all the people that were in the region, there was, there was a, a, a thing that was happening rather than tongues and, and divided up language barriers all across the globe. It was all coming, well, the known globe at the time. It was, it was all coming under one language from the Roman Empire. Alexander the Great. He was a military strategist and leader. He was the one leading the Roman Empire and, and military conquests and victories. He was known to have said this, I am so depressed because there are no more worlds to conquer <clears throat> he had conquered the entire known world and he says this well all the known world should speak a common language and it'd be greek but but it would be a koina greek which is a bit more of a a street language koina greek a specific dialect of greek is what they promoted all across their conquered area. It became the official language, and, and everybody was being educated in it. Everybody was speaking it. Sure, there may have been some di- sub-dialects within the culture, but the main language being spoken through commerce and business and government and every aspect of it was the Koina Greek. It's what they taught in school to their kids, that everybody would speak the same language. You see, I, I believe that there is a God who leverages the leaders of the world to accomplish His God's will. You can look at our existing leadership in our country, and, and you might love it or hate it. I know there's very wide opinions on our current, current administration, but what I do believe is this, is that God will work his will through these leaders, whatever that will might be. And whether you, in four years, and six, well, two years, or six years, or whenever the new people come in in different areas, I believe that God can work through anyone that comes into office because God is bigger than they are. He's more powerful than they are. Listen, our government structure is great. I'm not saying don't support it and don't vote and do those things, be a part of it, but I can tell you that your prayers to God can help guide the government structure that, that we find ourselves under. There's a God who leverages the leaders of the world to accomplish God's will. Sometimes it doesn't look like what we want it to look like. The number two historical event is that Roman peace happened. Because they'd conquered the known world Roman peace had, had come into place where the, the warring and the fighting had, had, had ceased. It had subdued. It was a peaceful season. It was the long peace during that season. They called it Pax Romana, which is military peace. You see, people could travel now from place to place without fear of, of soldiers and, and warriors and people killing them and, and robbing them. The travel could happen now all of a sudden between the different areas within the Roman Empire. And the third thing is this, is, is it has an improved transportation. All three of these things were happening during the, during the, the, the hundred years of silence, the multiple hundred years of silence in the Bible. So here's what we have. Picture this. We have a common language. We have a Roman peace that, that now there's no more fighting and now there's roads to be traveled freely for people to transport and move all throughout the region. God was preparing something to happen behind the scenes. And for those who didn't see it with their natural eyes, later on they would recognize, like, just like you and I can recognize now, that God was doing something then to set up the next chapter of the book. Listen, I want to tell you that no matter where you're at today, I believe that God is doing something in your life to set up the next chapter of your book. He's working behind the scenes. Even if you think he's silent, I want to tell you he's not still. He's still there. He's still working. He's still guiding. He's still leading. You see, when God is silent, he is never still. When he's silent, he is never still. So hundreds of years of silence have led up to this point. And so we pick up in the scripture, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out on the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. He is pleased. The world stage was set so that the gospel of Jesus could be catapulted to all of humanity. It's like the stage had been set. You know, when when you're in the theater and there's the intermission and you're gone for two minutes or five minutes and, and you come back and the stage is radically redesigned when the curtains open up. Some of them happen in a moment, don't they? In the plays. But there's an intermission that happens. And in that time, when you're out getting your cookies and coffee and talking about what you've seen to the first half of the play, the crew is working behind the scenes and you don't see them. But they're there working. And they're changing out the entire thing so that the whole set and the whole experience and the whole environment will be different. God was changing the set in this season. And in the seasons when God is silent in your life, I believe that he is still working behind the scenes to adjust something, to adjust the set and the environment so that you can enter into the next chapter of your life as well. When God, has gone, when God has gone silent, he is rearranging the stage. And when the curtain rises, your life will be positioned to accomplish God's will. You see, we serve a God that is faithful. He has not left you. He has not left you. So what do we do in the season of silence? If the band would come, I'm going to close in a minute. You know, as you came in, you should have received a candle on the way in, and, and we're going to do a candlelight song here at the end. And so I kind of want to explain kind of how this is going to go. Is um, The ushers are going to come down the aisles and start lighting the aisle candles. And then if you're in the aisle... You have a great responsibility because you got to light the person next to you candle, and I think we're adults mostly in the room. I think we can handle the passing of the fire from person to person. So pretty soon we'll all be lit in just a moment. So when the band starts coming out and playing, the ushers will come and they'll they'll start lighting the end aisles in, in just a minute. So when you hear God's silence and you feel His absence, can you trust? Can you trust His presence? When you feel God's When you hear God's silence and you feel his absence, can you trust his presence? You see, what what Jesus did on the cross at the end of his life was so historic. All kinds of things were happening, but one of the things that happened was, see, there was a temple in which God's presence resided, and if you wanted to be in the presence of God, you had to go to the place where God was at. But when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things that happened is, is that the, the veil, the, the curtain that, that separated the presence of God from the rest of the temple was torn in two. Which when you look at the construction of it, you would understand that this, no human hands could have done this because of how thick and heavy it was. And it was torn from two from top to bottom. So, so God reached from heaven down to earth, grabbed the curtain and tore it from top to bottom. It was symbolic to say, listen, God's presence no longer has to reside in a box locked up in a room where you have to go and approach him. But his presence is now wherever you are at because the bridge was built so that that, that heaven was there. It was accessible. And so the bridge was built so the presence of God could be with us everywhere that we went. The curtain had been removed. God no longer dwells in the building. He dwells in us. And we carry the light of God With us wherever we go. The pregnant pause was delivered that night in a manger. And his name was Jesus. See, there was a shift in the atmosphere on that fateful evening. Just like a mother can't put her baby back in the womb we would never go back to the way that things were it was a new day it was a new time it was a new era it was a new atmosphere the presence of God was no longer going to be locked inside of a room that was only accessible to those who were allowed to go in but the presence of God would be unleashed to the whole world to all of us That silent night brought a new paradigm to life. God himself comes to save. See, Jesus Christ, the son of God, entered human history to give his life as a ransom for many. In his grace, God buys us back in the most unimaginable way possible. God in Christ became a man, walked among humanity, and died for his people. Can light the candles now. You see, the Lord has come. Jesus is the message of grace and love and redemption and hope. The hope of the world is here. You might think that God is absent, but he has moved heaven and earth to be with you. He rearranged the stage of humanity so that he could be with you. So will you make room in your heart for him or you sing his praise this day? It was a silent night, but that silent night changed everything because unto us a savior was born. Let's stand and sing. night at the big party we're having here. It's our fun Christmas social we're doing. It's going to be really a good time. On your way out, if there's a basket by the doors, you can drop these out in the basket on the way out. I appreciate that.